sort of, kind of. It is BetMGM tonight. It is the BetQL Network. It is Chris the Crick and me, the sports machine, John Levine, for the next four hours talking sports and making some money here on the BetQL Network. Glad to have you along for the ride. 2024 is just underway, Tristan. I know a couple of things. I know the Baltimore Ravens are by far the best team in the NFL. I know that our college football national championship game is going to be Michigan versus Washington, number one versus number two. I know we got a great NBA game tonight. There's a whole list of games, but Celtics laying three and a half at the Thunder is a dandy. We'll get into all that, but the breaking news Panthers owner Dave Tepper has been fired three fired fined 300 no not fired fined you almost freaked out there fined three hundred thousand dollars for tossing a drink on the fans now I haven't done that in a while the last time I tossed a drink it was in college and I got taught I think they kicked me out of the bar maybe double my tab and I couldn't come back for like 30 days is three hundred thousand dollars excessive or does that sound right for a rich person I think you have to make it hurt, don't you? Like, if you're a billionaire, what's the amount that's painful? I always feel like, okay, I'm not anywhere close to a billionaire. So, like, if somebody find me 300, I guess, like, probably 300 I could be okay with. I'd be upset, obviously. But 3,000, I'd say, wow. Like, that was that was really a bad decision on my part. Wow, I need to just start evaluating things. That's got to be what what 300,000 is for him, right? Maybe it's closer to 300 for him. Like maybe that's what 300,000 feels like, but boy oh boy, that thing went viral, Sean, and I couldn't believe my eyes. Can you imagine being a Panthers fan, like a real I don't know if they exist, but like a real life Carolina Panthers fan where you got to deal with that owner and that team and that draft decision? Goodness gracious, how's that going out there with Bryce Young and they have to look over at CJ Stroud like that's got to be, as far as fans go, it, I, it used to always be Cleveland. You'd just be like, oh, I don't want to be a fan of that team. That's a pretty good situation now. It's got to be Carolina, right? Like, as far as the worst situation for a fan. Well, and on top of the decision to draft Bryce Young, which I didn't hate at the time. I mean, he obviously balled out for Alabama for multiple years, and you felt like he was so elusive. That offensive line was so good. But it's not just the fact that they took him, number one. It's all the things that they had to give up to take him. And you could have just stood pat and ended up with C.J. Stroud and D.J. Moore and this year's pick. And now you don't have any of that. Now you just have Bryce Young and Adam Thielen, the ghost of Adam Thielen, and, and Chuba Hubbard. And, uh, yeah, that's a tough, tough situation. Yeah, if when your owner is throwing drinks on fans, that's the epitome of of a stink butt organization. That's when you know it's gone pretty bad. And you mentioned the draft picks. The Bears are going to be the most interesting team this offseason. What do they do? Do they stand pat? Do they keep Justin Fields? Do they build around him? We'll talk about that when we get into NFL later on in the show. But I know you've got some action tonight on the Celtics game. Celtics laying three and a half against the Thunder. I was just telling you, I think that Chet Holmgren, first of all, he's the favorite to be the rookie of the year. Who saw that coming heading into the year? Victor Wenmanyama was everybody's favorite. I think he balls out tonight. I've got him both on double-double money, and I SGP'd him at 16-10. and 10. I think he's got a big game tonight. Where's your action? 
SGP, baby, seduced by the juice, as our man Brad <laughs> likes to say. Uh, yeah, I, I'm all over the Thunder plus three and a half. I think the Thunder are honestly a very dangerous Western Conference Finals type of a team. I can see them playing the Denver Nuggets. I think, yeah, you're you're in Boston, but I think the Thunder match up really well with Boston. I like Chet to score 15. Chet's been not only a, a block machine, but he's also been a steal machine. So I want him. I'm on him to score one uh, to score 15, one block, one steal, and then Shea, of course, leading the league in deflections. Uh, so I like him to get a steal. BetMGM, by the way, is the only place on planet Earth that you can take Shea for one steal and not two. Everywhere else is, is one and a half. So go to BetMGM if you just want to get one for those boys. So all of that together is plus 400. And then I've got uh, Thunder plus three and a half by itself as well. BetMGM's the best. I've been saying it for a while. If you really believe in those Thunder, Trista, put your money where your mouth is. We're going to do a Tinder Tuesday coming up later on in the show. Are they a real contender? Is she swiping left? Is she swiping right? Can they actually win the whole thing? 22 to 1? 22 to 1. Actually, for a Thunder team that coming into the year was right around like 45, 50 to 1 to win the whole thing. I'm not saying there's a chance, but they're definitely ahead of schedule. They're a problem. Oh, they're absolutely ahead of schedule. You're talking about a team that was a play-in team, uh, and then you bring in Chet. You don't really make any other significant moves, and all of a sudden you see in the West, and you're beating up on really, really good teams. And they just beat Denver not too long ago. And like I said, I think Denver's still the best team in the league. But, I mean, it's worth a sprinkle just for the cash out alone because if they go to the Western Conference Finals, you're going to get some, some positive money to cash out. I have the Orlando Magic division winner, Sacramento Kings division winner parlay at mm. 71 to 1. And they're offering me money right now to cash out, which I won't do. Really? So that's worth the sprinkle. Just, yeah, they're offering me like plus 700 to cash out. That's incredible. This early on a bet like that, I'm out. I'm out. No, January 2nd. I'm like, no, I'm not cashing out. It's like a no, $1,000. No, I'm not getting out. It's like $1,000 if I win. I won it last year with the Kings, so I'm going to continue to ride with them, Sean. I don't I don't cash out. I appreciate that. Trista Crick, Sports Machine, Sean Levine here on BetMGM tonight. Let's go around the rest of the association. Bulls getting 10.5 against Philly. That game's tipping right around now. You a believer in Philly? I think Philly this year, Trista, is last year's Denver Nuggets, where Jokic was the man, right, for a couple of years. He was the MVP. But he was just a dude that won awards and put up big numbers. And then he won. He won the finals. And it's like, oh, man, maybe he's one of the all-time greats. I think that's what Embiid and the Sixers do this year. I think they might win it all. I think that they are a very good sleeper Eastern Conference team. I think they're better than Milwaukee. And that's saying a lot, right? Giannis is one of the best players on the planet. Dame has my heart since he came to Portland, my hometown. So I think defensively they're really good. Kelly Oubre has been an awesome addition on a vet minimum. Tobias Harris is playing like he stole something and wants another contract. Tyrese Maxey's the guy, right? Everybody wants to play with Tyrese Maxey. They need to go deep, though. They need to go to the Eastern Conference Finals at the very minimum in order to keep Joel Embiid around, I think. But I think in terms of chemistry, fit, Roster and construction, this is the best we've seen from Philly. Embiid's ankle's got to get right soon. Obviously, Patrick Beverly has been key for them, too. So I like this Philly team. I think they're the most likable version of themselves. And they, they're they a sleeper. I, I would bet on them in a futures bet, like 
You're going to take them probably in the playoffs in terms of series prices, but they're worth a sprinkle to go to the finals. It's funny how you become more likable when James Harden is wearing a different uniform. We'll talk about the Clippers' chances of winning a championship because they've been pretty good. Also, Trista Crick, sports machine, Sean Levine, talking sports and making money here on BetMGM tonight. We'll get into college football here in just a moment, but Spurs getting 11.5 at the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies, I think they get into the playoffs because almost everybody gets in, and once they do, they're kind of that team that nobody's going to want to play. You know, they could go a couple of rounds. Remember last year, where they end up with the second-best record in the Western Conference? That team's not yeah. bad. Third, maybe third. I can't remember if it, was, if it was your Kings or if it was the Grizzlies because they kept flip-flopping. I think it was the Kings. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, okay, they kept flip-flopping. You're right. I think maybe they were second. But, yeah, I don't know, Sean. I think that's going to be tough, though. I think it's really when you start out, what were they? They were 6-19, and 19, something like Not that. Not where you want to be. Before, when Jaw came back. And yeah. now they've won 4-2 and two since he's returned. So, you know, they, they're an interesting team. They're a fun team. It's just going to be such a deep hole that they have to to climb out of. That all that being said, though, the Spurs absolutely stink. Like they are just not a very good team at all. Marcus Smart is back. You've got Luke, uh, Luke is back. You've got all these guys in this team that have been sitting on the bench for a while now. Jaw obviously included. I kind of like the Spurs minus eleven. I'm not going to take it because it's just a lot of points. But I would not be surprised. I took John Morant under one and a half threes. That's minus 110. I don't think he's had a game yet where he's had two threes. He's shooting like 16% from three right now since he's returned from suspension. So I would ride that trend until he starts finding his sea legs. That's probably my favorite bet on the board for that game is jaw under one and a half threes. I'm actually trying to get parlayed on this Tuesday night, Trista, and I've got the Grizzlies laying the points at home, minus 11 and a half yeah. as half of it. And then I'm also going to lay those points with the Pelicans over the Nets. Pelicans laying six and a half. They're kind of a sneaky good team. Like you talk about a fun team. There's a lot of those in the NBA, and they're certainly one of them. But when they're full, when they're right, they're dangerous too. They're 19 and 14, the Pelicans. Yeah, the Pelicans are a team that can lay an egg on any given night. And they can beat anybody else. Oh, they're frustrating to pin on, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. You know what, though? They're one of the best first-half teams in all of the NBA. They blow more double-digit leads than Brad Stevens did when he was the head coach of the Boston <laughs> Celtics, which I had a whiteboard on my, on my wall that was keeping tally of how many double-digit leads the Boston Celtics were blowing. Until your marker ran them. out. Until my marker went dry, and then he ended up getting fired, a.k.a. promoted. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think the Pelicans actually are a sneaky first-half bet team. That's maybe what I'm going to do right now uh, while we're on the – right now while we're on the show, just to, so I remember. Put it in my little bet slip uh, for the break. Minus three-and-a-half over the Nets. It's the best action or pregame action or whatever kind of action you get at BetMGM. So Magic getting three and a half at Golden State. That's a tough one to bet, right? How are you going to pin the tail on the donkey there? I think the Magic are good, and I think Golden State's bad, but I'm not really sure. I'll take the points with, with Orlando on the road. I love that. I love that bet. I love Paolo. Paolo's been one of the most consistent scorers in the league. I just don't think that, the, that our dubs are very good right now. I really don't. Looking to see what Paolo's numbers are right now. 24 and a half actually juiced 
minus 125 Whoa. to the under. I don't care. Yeah, I know. 24 a and big, a half for Paolo. That's a big boy number. 24 and a half? He has been balling. Paolo has been so good, though, Sean. 28 against the Suns in Phoenix. 29 at home against the Knicks. 20, 24 against the Wizards. 34 against the Pacers on Goodness. the road. Who's He's gonna stop him? A couple of times, though. I stay away. Yeah, it's like, he you has. Know, if, if you same game parlay a guy and he beats you like three or four times in a row, I'm off Larry Mark. Stay all the way away. Can't do it. Can't same. do it, man. Every, you know what I'm saying? Every time I bet on that dude, he's got 13 points. And I look up, I'm like, what do you mean he's averaging 24 a game? And then the next night, he's got 40. So, yeah. Can't do it. I There's took, the, trick. Uh, I took the, trick the other night. Uh, I was Who just going to say, it? I took the under 36 and a half under PRA for Franz Vogt. And I think he had 47 PRA. He was just, it was a burn. I think he had two points in the first quarter. So, I thought it looked really, really good. So I'm actually over five and a half rebounds for Franz Wagner. He's been super uh, consistent as a uh, as like a weak side scorer. But the sneaky one that he's been good at is, is rebounding. I'm looking for his rebounding stats right now. Had seven rebounds the other night, nine against the Knicks. That's when he killed me. He had 32, nine, and two. That was a rough one to lose. Plus, plus four steals and a block. So, yeah, I like Franz Wagner over five and a half rebounds. It feels like that's a good spot for him against the Warriors with not a lot of size. Let me tell you, Franz Wagner's been one of those guys that's burned my backside so many times. I won't bet him or Mo Wagner just because of it. Sorry, man. I'm holding against the whole family. That's how it goes. When you get me three times, dude, I bet you three times in a row, three strikes and you're out. All right, let's talk about the last game on the schedule tonight. I know you're interested in this one. The Hornets getting a bunch of points on the road in Sacramento against the Kings. The Kings roster is so good. At least their starting five is. And the Hornets are bad, but they're like a special kind of bad. I didn't think they were going to be this bad. No, I mean, I think that the LaMelo ball injury really tripped them up, right? You've got Terry Rozier, who's now got to like, be, be basically the everything. Brandon Miller is now your second option, and he's a rookie. So, yeah, I mean, we knew that they weren't going to be good, but 7-24, and 24, that's, that's just super tough. I'm wondering about the Kings if this is like a letdown spot for them. You know, they beat the hell out of the Grizzlies on the road, 123-92. Didn't they? They get yesterday off. Are they overlooking the Hornets a little bit? Like, is this, a, is this like a sleepy spot? That's a big number, I'll tell you that much, 13 and a half. That's Trista on the Sports Machine. We'll keep talking basketball, but go back to college. Ah, uh, college coming up next with Matt Cox from the Three Man Weave right here on BetMGM Tonight. It's the BetQL Network. We'll be right back in just a few. Head over to BetMGM to place a better three. This is BetMGM Tonight, presented by BetMGM, live from BetQL. Now, back to BetMGM Tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Well, this should be one of the best shows that you've heard so far in 2024. I can almost guarantee that. With Trista Crick, I am the sports machine, Sean Levine. Let's go back to college where we've got some action right now. Number four, UConn up 38-19 over DePaul. 
North Carolina has been on a little bit of a run, but they're down 14 to nine right now on the road against Pitt. And then there's just a bunch of other games on the schedule. No ranked matchups. It's a, a bit weak compared to other games that we've seen. Nevertheless, bets to be made and things to be talked about. So let's welcome in Matt Cox from Three Man Weave. I mentioned UConn, obviously the reigning champion. Are they worth betting again to win the whole thing? Uh, okay, thank you. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a, a, an answer in my ear here from my little birdie. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think they are. I mean, my whole take on UConn has been during conference play, they're going to go through some ups and downs. Um, the opposing Big East coaches have their playbook. It's a very deep and complex playbook. It's why they beat every non-conference team by 20 points. Um, look at last year, right? They ran through the non-conference like, you know, gangbusters. We forgot how good they were, four seed tournament, and then they just turned it on again. This team's not as talented. The clinging injury concerns me, obviously. Um, I just worry that, that that can linger for big guys. But UConn's going to be a situational fade for me in conference. But when the bright lights come back on in March Madness, I'll be looking to, to put my money back with uh, Dan Hurley and the boys there. No doubt, dude. I love UConn. I like the style of play. I like the toughness. They lose guys to the draft, and they just figure out a way to, to make it work. New guys step up. I wanted to get your thoughts, though, on Illinois. They face Northwestern tonight, first game without Terrence Shannon. Just what have you seen from them? And, and like, what's their upside? Because normally we're not super high on Big Ten teams in terms of really going deep in the tournament. Yeah, it's funny. I think this Illinois team with Shannon could have been as good as the number one overall seed was, which is a 2021, I believe, right? And they lost to Lila Chicago, another Chicago-based team uh, in the second round. And I think this team has a very envi enviable switchability factor to them, right? They're so long. They're so dynamic. They're so athletic. If you take away Shannon from that, who knows how long he's out? Um, and that's a pretty key creator. And their point guard, their de facto point guard right now um, – uh, Ty Goody, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on his name. There's not a ton of shot creation in that offense. So I think defensively, they're going to be really, really tough. I think that gives them like high upside, deep run in March potential. Um, but I worry about some long scoring droughts without a clear offensive alpha, unless we see you know, a guy like Marcus Domask go for 40 like he did against FAU. I just think they're going to have some offensive question mark, leave them prone to maybe an early round exit if they get a top five, six seed. Um, but the defense is good, and you can ride a good defense deep in the tournament. You just make shots for a couple weekends in a row. So, I don't know. I'm still in on this team a little bit, but no Shannon's a huge gut blow. It's just tough. Matt, the number one ranked team in the country, the Boilermakers of Purdue, they're playing right now, and they're beating down Maryland 19-7 to as we speak, 10 minutes left until halftime. Are you a believer in Purdue? Obviously, they uh, didn't do great in last year's NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe in Purdue. I kind of like the Virginia narrative parallels that we've been hearing, right? Comes off the 16 seed. The next year, they, they go completely, um, you know, they kind of use that as a motivator um, and run that to a national title. I think this Purdue team can certainly win it all. I think they're going to learn from their mistakes against tough, small, in um, inverted types of mid-major matchups. You know, FDU obviously tripped them up last year. A lot like UConn, I think they're going to be a good bet in March. But in, against Big Ten foes, who have more size than most other conferences, more size than the teams they've played so far in non-con, I think Purdue's going to be a good situational fate, right? Northwestern, we saw that. Um, you know, that was a home run game from Northwestern. You're going to see every team stack the deck against Purdue when they come to their building all year. I backed Maryland tonight. 
I'm learning now it may not have been a smart play just given that crowd doesn't have the, the true home juice that a lot of these Big Ten home crowds will have as kids come back on campus. But again, I like trying to fade Purdue in situational spots throughout the conference play. But then in the tournament, I am a believer. I'm not going to be shorting Matt Painter just because of his past tournament woes. I think this team's a little bit different than last year. Lance Jones is a huge X factor for them. I think they'll learn uh, and grow from that experience. What's happening with South Carolina, Matt? Because they already have more wins this year, 12, than all of last year. (laughs) All of last year. Should we believe in them? I believe to a point, I think. Yeah, Lamont Paris is a great coach. Uh, Steal from Chattanooga. It's never been a great basketball school. I think people took for granted how good Frank Martin did while he was there. I mean, the Final Four run speaks for itself, but he was consistently competitive um, despite a myriad of injuries. They don't really have a, a, a huge track record of success. And in the SEC, I mean, that's just like the arms race of top-tier coaches and huge dollars flowing in through NIL. So, I mean, it's a tough place to compete um, in general. So I think just from that kind of, you know, zoomed out context vantage point, uh, major applause to Lamont Paris. I think they're a real competitor in the SEC. I don't think they're going to challenge the title, but I think they're going to go around 500. Um, something that people would have thought had been crazy had you asked them two months ago. So yeah, I don't think this is a fluke or a sell type team. I think they're well coached. They're older um, and they're playing, you know, very well together. I think it was a big piece last year. They took some trials and tribulations. They were sort of distracted by the Gigi Jackson five-star just uh, thing that was going on. You kind of get him out of the mix, a little Ewing theory for this year. I like this team. Uh, it looks more like a Lamont Paris type team, former Greg Gard, uh, Wisconsin longtime assistant. So he's kind of got that same DNA in how they play. All right, let's go from South Carolina to North Carolina. Come on and raise up. They've caught Pitt, by the way, 14-14 in the first half on the road. Can that team win it all, or are they just a Carolina team that's going to be overpriced? Uh, tough, man. I – I, I like this team. I like the Tar Heels. I just don't know if I trust um, – I trust Say Hubert it. Davis enough to make a deep – I just yes. don't trust Hubert Davis. <laughs> no, can't get there. I my Another thing to worry about UNC, too, is Armando Baycott's been kind of an afterthought this year. Like, he's sort of in cruise control. He's coasting. I wonder if that's a guy who's just been through college for maybe a, a few too many laps around the sun. He's – pacing himself like an NBA player for March Madness. Bro, he was there in the Obama administration. That guy's been I mean, he's been there for way too long. I know. I agree. This this sixth year, the bonus plus year, we got to – I can't wait for two, three years when all this goes goes by. I'm tired of seeing, like, Perry Ellis times a 1,000 run around. The guy who's been there for 12 (laughs) years. Um, But that's my concern. Like, why is Baycott sort of – he seems disinterested, my eye test tells me. Again, it doesn't matter right now because they have R.J. Davis and they have a really talented backcourt. And, uh, and Harrison Ingram, the five-star renaissance from Stanford, comes back across country. He's been awesome this year, a huge part of what they're doing. I like UNC long-term. Um, I, I don't know how good they'll be in the ACC. There's a lot of, you know, I think the ACC is down, but it's a lot better in the middle than people think. I think there's more landmines for the UNCs, the Dukes, the upper echelon that are hoping to Clemson, obviously, this year. And there's a lot more losses that are lurking in that schedule than people think. Speaking of Stanford, they beat up on Arizona, stun them, 16 threes they make. You make anything out of that loss, or is that just like overlooking another Pac-12 opponent, Arizona's going to be Pac-12's fine. weird. Yeah, as, as Ken Pomeroy always says, it's packed hashtag Pac-12 after dark. You can't ever make any sense of the results that happened in that conference. Surely um, in the last year of its existence, you'll see some head-scratching wild results. 
Um, you shoot 16 of 25 from three. I sort of roll my eyes at that and say, okay, I'd like to see you do that again with a 35% three-point shooting display, right? I and mean, that's basically 12, 15 points right there on a normal shooting night for Stanford. They got Spencer Jones back. He's a pretty key player. I think he helps them. There's still talent on that team. Stanford's been a perennial underachiever. I do think this year's a better version, but I'm not ready to crown Stanford because of that performance, nor am I ready to um, dispatch Arizona. I know there's some defensive question marks that Tommy Lloyd pointed out after the game, but again, that Arizona team, uh, they've been too good start to finish. I think they've proven what they are. Talking some college hoops here, Trista Crick, Sports Machine, Sean Levine. We got Matt Cox from Three Man Weave. I'm squinting my eyes here as I look at the screen. The Colorado Buffaloes are four to one to win the conference. When did that happen? When did Colorado get good at basketball for real? I know. I feel bad for Tad Boyle. Um, kind of got a good thing going there on the the hardwood, but obviously you're not going to outshine Dion Prime with with that with all that stuff there. So, but yeah, it's a fun time to be a sports fan in Boulder for sure. Great time to be in Boulder anytime uh, for that matter. But they had real oh, talent. You know, I think people took uh, they took this team lightly a couple years a few years ago with McKinley Wright. And they ran all the way to the tournament, looked like a you know a top-end team, got blasted uh, before they could make a deep run. But I do think this is a top-end Pac-12 team. I think it's a top-25 team. And they've been without their two best players, arguably. Well, I say two of the three best players. Cody Williams, five-star freshman, and Tristan De Silva, who's a French draft prospect as well, on top of K.J. Simpson, their All-American point guard. So they have real horses. Uh, they're getting healthier. They're older. I've always been kind of a guy who believes that Tab Boyle underachieves when he has high expectations and overachieves when he's discounted this year being more in the former, but I don't know. The talent looks good enough. I might have to start believing. So I think that price though is a little bit overpriced, but I think the Colorado is a real contender in this conference. I'm, I'm tired, Matt, of the excuses being given out and made for my Oregon ducks, that it's all about the injuries and that these five stars that come and they go just as fast as they get there. How do we get back right? How does this school turn it around? Because, you know, going into the Big Ten is going to be very, very difficult on a night-to-night basis, and it's not going to be easy, especially, you know, moving over there. I mean, I don't know. I, I love Dana Altman. I think he's been bitten by the injury bug as bad as, like, any coach has the last few years. But more importantly, he's lost all of his assistants the last, I think, two or three years consistently. And coaches talk about how it's just – Turning over your assistance is sometimes um, – it's, it's a pretty big hurdle to overcome. You have to basically reintegrate dudes to your system, find the right fits, to do it year over year with how much he's changing players year over year too. I think that's been tough. Um, I think Altman still has his coaching fastball. I just think he needs some continuity with his roster, with his coaching staff. I'm the only person on the Oregon bandwagon left this year. I think this team is good. Jackson Shellstad's an absolute star. He's going to be the next Peyton Pritchard that everyone knows up there in Phil Knight country. I would not sell your Oregon shares quite yet, especially if they can get Dante or Nate Biddle back this season. Um, again, big guys, injuries never go well together, but I think one of those guys does come back and makes an impact. So I still like the Ducks. Quack. All right, before we get out of here, if Krista gets to ask about her Ducks and you get a quack, then I get to ask about my Jayhawks. Any chance they can win at all? I think the roster's good, but by Bill Self standards, not great. What say you? Yeah, they can win it all. You got Bill Self, and they have four awesome players. I just think they're one injury away, one tweak, minor injury away from really falling off of you know where they are in the, the the totem pole. They just need some depth. They need one of these, you know, Nick Timberlake or Al Marco Jackson, the freshman who I really liked. 
They need one of those guys to step up and be like a complimentary fifth piece. It's not, they're not asking the world of these role players, but Bill Self just can't seem to find an answer to the McCuller, Dickinson, Adams, and Dewan Harris, you know, fearsome foursome. They need one or two guys to step up. If they do, or maybe the Jonathan Furphy kid does, um, then yeah, it's Kansas, it's Bill Self, and there's experience and proven winners there. I would never count out Kansas. It is Matt Cox from Three Man Weave joining us here on Bet MGM tonight. Great stuff. Great insight as always, my brother. Thanks for your time. No, appreciate it, squad. Thanks, Matt. Trista, of all those names that we just threw out there, right? Purdue and Arizona and UConn and all that, you think it's more likely to be one of those teams, or is it a year where it's so wide open that maybe it's worth putting money down on if you can find a 15 to 1, 20 to 1 out there? I think it's still UConn, man. I like UConn. I know, you know, back-to-back winning isn't easy. Um, but this team just consistently has this this gritty approach. I love the coaching. Uh, Hurley is an absolute madman. We've seen that be the case for years now. The whole family are madmen. They've gotten a lot of talent that we didn't even know were going to produce the same way, you know, once they lost guys to, to the NBA draft. So I still like UConn. I, I I think at some point Arizona's got to go deeper, but man, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot there. I, I'm still not a believer in Purdue, though. Not a believer in Purdue. I don't think Dan's crazy like Bobby. You say all the Hurleys are crazy. Bobby crazy, yeah. and that's why Bobby I like betting on like any crazy. team. Bobby crazy, man. That guy will freak out on the sidelines, and I'm here for it. He's like Bob Knight Jr. kind of right. It's like he might get thrown out by ten minutes into the game. Yeah, I saw Dan at the Phil Knight Invitational. And he was screaming because one of his players lost a loose ball and it went out of bounds and just like some other player kicked it. And he reamed into him for like three straight minutes. I was talking to a like an assistant GM. I'm like, what is going on right now? This is just a normal basketball. And for whatever reason, Dan Hurley is losing his effing mind. That's what the Hurleys do. I'm not going to lie. That's what us Levines do also. I come from a long line <laughs> of screamers. My great-grandfather would scream to my grandfather, to my dad. And one day, if I have a son, I bet that dude yells also. That's Trista. I'm the sports machine. We got a lot to get into here, man. We haven't even talked about any sort of college football, which, uh, by the way, I don't know if you heard, Trista, we know who's playing in the national championship game. Yeah. Michigan minus four and a half versus Washington. We'll dive deep into it, but real quick, your first thoughts. Four and a half's too big, right? Feels like it's too big. That's my first thought. Michael Penix is playing out of his mind right now. Isn't he, though? Isn't he, though? And that's why people should have been all over Washington last night. Of the four quarterbacks yes. that played yesterday, who's the best college quarterback? Screw who you think is going to be drafted the highest and who's going to have the best NFL career. Michael Penix Jr., I'm telling you. That's Trista on the Sports Machine, and this is Bet MGM Tonight. It's time for a short commercial break. Don't go anywhere, though, because we'll be right back with even more BetMGM Tonight, presented by BetMGM, live from BetQL. Michigan tight ends in the ballgame. They handed to Corum again and makes the cut. First down. Spinston scores. Blake Corum puts Michigan on top in overtime. You know, it's just the way this team dealt, is built, the way how connected they are as as players and, and we are as a team. It's it's unanimous support for each and every guy. 
you know, it's almost been an unfair advantage. I mean, all the things that the, the team has gone through. I mean, we don't care anymore. We don't care what people say. Now, back Jim to Marble. Bet MGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by Bet MGM. As one may say, that was Jim Harbaugh talking about his Michigan team, Michigan, winning the Rose Bowl. I wonder how many people actually knew it was the Rose Bowl at this point versus just the part of the college football playoff. Honestly, I had to look up, be like, where's this game played again? It took overtime. Trista Crick, sports machine, Sean Levine, back with you here on Bet MGM tonight. That's why, Trista, when the line came out, I remember I saw Alabama plus one and a half heading into that game, and I was like, this isn't one of those games that you need to do too much research. All you need to do is start checking the boxes, right? Saban versus Harbaugh. Both great, but I like Saban a little bit more. Quarterbacks, I liked Milrow a little bit more. And it was basically the game I expected. Really close, went into overtime. Bet didn't go my way. Congratulations if you had your money on Michigan last night. Yeah, it was one of those games where, you know, you overtime is where the dogs go to die. I had Michigan money line and it was a s- absolute sweat. I just felt like Michigan was the better the best team all year. You've got the narrative of Harbaugh under the bright lights of scrutiny for sign stealing. You got all of the hatred, you've got the suspension, you have the OC crying like when he's taking over. And Blake Corum is an absolute beast. You know, J.J. McCarthy, I don't love J.J. McCarthy, not not just as a college quarterback, but as a pro either. He's okay, but their defense, man, in the trenches, they consistently have been dominating. So that was the reason that I like Michigan a lot. And Washington, well, really quick, back to the Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl is near and dear to my heart, Sean. As a West Coaster, as an Oregon fan, it's now like the last – of the Rose Bowl that we know it right now. It's only going to be a playoff environment. So it was a really cool. PJ actually went uh, as an Alabama fan and watched that game. He went to L.A. Yeah, I bet he lost a little bit of money on it. Our boy PJ Glasser, Trista Crick, sports machine, Sean Levine. I love that. What would you say? Overtime is where underdogs go to die. Do those dogs still go to heaven? I understand all dogs go to heaven. Underdogs, do underdogs go to heaven? Well, probably Nick Saban and his teams would go to heaven. Absolutely. You would think so. Like they've you done something. So. They've done something to consistently find their way in spots that they don't belong. But in terms of don't belong, like Texas just clearly, even though it was close, quote unquote close, Texas did not belong in the final four. And why did the gambling line not say as much? So heading into the game, it kept moving back and forth. Washington was either a three-and-a-half or a four-point dog at Bet MGM. I'm with you, Trista. Even then, I kept dumping more money in on Washington. And then as the game got going, wasn't it pretty obvious, even when it was close and tied at halftime, that Washington was the better team? They were outgaining them. They could do anything they wanted. It was just a matter of time. Now, I ain't going to lie, I was ready to go to bed. And I looked up and I saw that Washington was up 10 and had a 99% chance to win the game. I was like, cool, I'm going to cash that ticket in the morning when I wake up. And then it got funny. And all of a sudden, I looked up a few minutes later because I'm antsy like that. I'm just an anxious person. And it was up to fit down to 50%. And so I had to watch the last minute of that game. It got goofy. But the truth is, Washington was the better team all night long. All night long. Michael Penix, what was it, like the fifth play of the game for him? And it was that play-action 70-yard bomb to Polk that we've seen. Well, I've seen way too much this year. As an Oregon fan, right, I watched Washington 
really just beat the hell out of us in the trenches and Michael Penix be able to throw. And I was pretty confident if they could do that to us, they were going to do it to Texas. I thought Oregon was even a better team than Texas. Uh, I was never really a big believer in Quinn Ewers. They got that statement win against Alabama. But other than that, really, what was that one win where you're like, man, this is a team that's dominant? What does Washington have to do to sell themselves to Las Vegas, right, to the odds makers? So last night, heading into the college football playoff, you could have got them to win the whole thing at right around 7-1, to 8-1. to one. I think we're kind of throwing names in a hat here with these four teams and picking one out. I don't see a lot of difference between these four teams. And you could argue, first of all, there's a reason why they rank one through four. Washington is ranked number two. We're not talking about number four here. Like, they've been this team for a while, and they haven't lost since October, last October. This team's on a 20-something game winning streak. I don't get it. Like, where's the love for you, Dub? Yeah, I don't get it either. I think there's just a lot. I said this to Rob Brown and Cody Decker on, I think, Saturday, uh, right before when I, when the OG and Anobi trade came down and they had me to talk about college football too. I think it's just a Pac-12 thing, man. I think Pac-12 teams are just consistently underrated. Well, what have you seen in terms of stylistically how they've recruited and found players? A lot of times the trenches are filled in the Pac-12 with lighter, more agile, faster guys, D-linemen and O-linemen. There's not a lot of those, like, corn-husking, you know, beefy dudes that you see playing for Iowa or playing for Alabama, right, or Georgia. And so I think that the notion is that you're just going to get bullied by those other teams once you face them. And that we play a lot of other undersized, small, agile uh, guys in the trenches in the Pac-12. And that kind of... uh increases your stock but is it isn't isn't real but that's just not the case with washington or oregon both of them in the trenches were elite you saw that they were able to kind of push texas around i'm really curious to see whether they're going to get any push against michigan though we'll get there in a second but you're a pac-12 girl how did we let this conference die on the operating table this season like how did that happen where washington wins one more game that's an embarrassment for college football if the national champion is literally was, had to change conferences that season. On top of that, USC had the Heisman Trophy favorite heading in. Colorado was the big story. Your Oregon Ducks were really fun to watch. Like, I get it. Somebody had to go away. But how, is, how did the Pac-12 go away this year? How did that happen? I think it's just the Pac-12 commissioners is very dumb. I think they're wanting to try to jump on the money of the Big Ten they felt like the Pac-12 network wasn't getting any views, which it wasn't. The problem really was all about, I think, the Pac-12 network not going on a place that anyone could watch. And so you had to buy it over the top. Like, who's doing that? I, I as a Pac-12 fan, am not buying the Pac-12 network over the top. They didn't want to take the less amount of money. I think the Pac-12 was going to get less money than the SEC for the SEC network or even the Big Ten for the Big Ten network. And it's like, fair the games are on at like 1 30 in the morning i get it so i think it's greed jealousy and now we're gonna have to see oregon play michigan michigan state rutgers maryland that's goofy it's just, that's goofy it's just goofy and tupac said the west side is the best side but you're right it's not for time zones at all 
like every time I'm in Las Vegas, I wake up and I'm a little bit inebriated from the morning before, and it's the sixth inning of a baseball game that I meant to get a bet in on. I'm like, <laughs> yo, I need I need to get back to Kansas City. You know, I need to head out to see my boy in Myrtle Beach or something because we could argue this forever. For sports, give me the Midwest, Trista, all day long. Noon NFL kickoff, 3 p.m. NFL kickoff. I'm about it. I like the West Coast for watching games, but not for anything else because you can go to bed. When I worked this show from the West Coast, we were I was done right now. Like right now, it's 8 p.m. on the say it's 8 p.m. right now on the West Coast. I'm done. It's time for me to go get dinner. I can still hang out. I can do my thing. There's games on still. I'm watching the West Coast games. Like staying up till 2 a.m. for anything. I think is is a real struggle for me at this point and juncture in my life cycle. Did you make it up till midnight for New Year's? I ain't gonna lie. When I was a kid, no. we used to, so I'm in the Midwest time zone and my parents used to fool us and they would let us watch the ball in New York thinking that was actual midnight. So they get to put us to bed an hour early. I only made it to Paris New Year. I think that's like 9 p.m. my time and I was outie. Wait, how did they trick you guys? Did they take all of the clocks and move them? Oh, we were not smart children. And now we're not smart adults. <laughs> you can ask my sisters. We're not bright people. You guys didn't even see that it says actually uh, 1059? We were young. At that point, you don't think you'd be <laughs> fooled? I'm talking about a, a four-year-old Trista, all right? You don't think that if your parents on TV, this is still when Dick Clark was doing it, the ball's dropping. You're you're asking questions at four years old. You've been the same you since then. Goodness gracious. Yeah, I really, Sean. I really have. I really have. I've been watching Fargo, uh, the TV show with Billy Bob sure. Thornton. And if you've seen that, Billy Bob Thornton asks the questions that I ask. Like, what do you think is there's blood rushing down your face in the shower? Do you really think that like this is this is God? Like, you believe this? Like. I ask those follow-up questions that Billy Bob asked at Fargo since I was maybe old enough to speak, Sean. I've been this, this way since birth. Wow, that's incredible. Sort of. That's Trista Crick. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine, wrapping up hour number one here on BetMGM tonight. You like Fargo more than Ozark? Did you watch Ozark? I haven't watched Ozark, no. But is, is Ozark really good? Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, it, Fargo couldn't hold a candle to Ozark. And Fargo's good. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's not even close. We're talking about, like, um, give me an average NBA center right now. You're better at the NBA thing than and, me. Just like and, uh, a, a Clint dude. Capella. Clint, we're talking Clint Capella to Nikola Jokic here. Like, wow. the skill set's just different here. Not even close. I think Billy Bob Thornton, though, Rob Williams, Dylan says, R.I.P. Rob Williams. Dylan's a Celtics fan, so that's near and dear to his heart. A man with a broken knee. Maybe he doesn't play basketball ever again. Sorry, Dylan. No. I, I think Billy Bob Thornton, I'm ready to say, is is the best actor of our generation. Like, wow. I think I'm ready to say that. I think I'm ready. Oh. I saw him in Goliath. I've never cared about him ever. I got a phone call here. It's Tom Hanks on line one. Tom Hanks' catalog is better than anybody ever, period. I'm not saying it's he's not, not a little bit of a weirdo, but his movies, not even close. Not it's even It's not close. the catalog. It's not the catalog, because you're right. The catalog is is very bad. God says but, Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper, so far in his rearview mirror, he can't even see his ass. De Niro's close. De Niro's close. One hour in the book, three more close. coming up. We're talking whatever we talk about here on the BetQL Network. <laughs> 